you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, a live literary event series from LAist. We are back with guests, author Amanda Montel and actor Bella Lavelle. You can find us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum. Tickets at LAist.com events. Okay. People have been asking, I feel like I've been asking for, for months why we haven't tried Brio Geo. I use their shampoo. Okay. We haven't talked about it. Sorry. I like it. I use it. It's fine. At first blush, Forever 35 may seem like any other lighthearted, product-driven chat cast. I haven't used the scalp treatment yet, so I cannot weigh in on that. But I have used the shampoo, the conditioner, and the massager. Ooh, ooh. I really like all of them. Okay. And I'm alternating using that stuff with the shampoo and conditioner from their Blossom and Bloom line, which is supposed to be volumizing. And I also got this volumizing powder. But at its core... The show and its hosts are going way beyond their passion for hair care. It's retail therapy of the highest order, with the emphasis on therapy. From LA's studios, this is Servants of Pod. I'm Nick Kwa. This week, Forever 35's self-care revolution. Back in 2018, writer Kate Spencer was on a book tour promoting her memoir, The Dead Moms Club. She was stressed and overwhelmed and looking for an outlet. Ultimately, it just <laughs> stemmed out of an idea of something that would be fun to do that I pitched to Dory because, you know, Dory and I are good friends and I enjoy all my interactions with her. And I, I thought it was just it was kind of a fluke. I just texted her and said, do you want to start a podcast about skincare, but also like about more than skincare? And it really went from there. And I guess my podcast listening at the time was either like political podcasts or true crime. And while I enjoy both those genres of podcast or comedy, you know, the comedy world, which I kind of come from, I didn't feel like there was a space talking about the things that I was texting my friends about. One of those friends was fellow writer Dory Shafrir. She was working on her own podcast, Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure, where she and her husband talked about their struggles with infertility. But Kate's idea about the skincare podcast stuck with Dory. So she said yes. I don't think Kate, and Kate has said this, so I'm not projecting, but I don't think Kate actually expected me to take her up on it. <laughs> 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 or at least not kind of mobilize. Well, that's what I think makes us a good team, Dory, is that I like to just spout off ideas and you actually can take all ideas that you have or that I have or we both have and and seed them into action. Oh, thank you. That's so <laughs> kind. It's true, though. Like, the, I, if I had said this to someone else and they had been like, yeah, I would have never gotten it off the ground. But I feel like you really have the the drive and the wherewithal and the, and the knowledge to get it going. That's Well, I, I think when I see a good idea... Oh, oh, I'll oh. run with it. It's not just any idea that I'm going <laughs> to run with, Kate. It's got to be a good one. You had a good one. 
That good idea became Forever 35. In 2018, Kate and Dory released their first episode. These are the things that are good distractions from the other challenges in life. Uh, yes. This is how what I... Would you, what would you describe as the other challenges in I life, mean, Kate? I mean, just our current political and social climate, Dory. Sure, yeah. And, you know, work. Yeah. Career. Yeah. Wait, work and career are yeah. the same thing. Uh-huh. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes not. Parenting. For yeah. Me. Trying to be a parent for me. Yeah. There's a lot of crap going on. There's a lot. Also, just like getting older. Yes, getting older. I mean, it's a lot. It's all a lot. It is. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be therapeutic. Forever 35 embraces all aspects of self-care, even the kinds that might make some people feel guilty. Our audience is predominantly women-identified people. And mm. as with anything that goes along with something that women enjoy, we're often made to feel badly about it um, mm. or there's an association that it doesn't have value or it's not worth our time or we could be why are you wasting your time on this thing when, when I actually think there is deep value in self-care practices and what it can provide people on all sorts of levels so I don't particularly feel guilt when it, when it, I, I think what we're trying to avoid is feeling of guilt for taking time for ourselves and taking care of ourselves I gotta say, um, and I think this may be largely me projecting, uh, but I have an h- extremely hard time being at peace with the notion of caring for oneself. Part of it is maybe cultural, and part of it feels like the, the way my brain is wired. Having made this show for a few years now, has talking about self-care made it easier to like actually do it? You know, I think it's helped me expand my definition of self-care. It's not just about buying an expensive serum or getting a massage. Like Mm. it doesn't have to be something that costs money. Maybe it's meditating for five minutes every day. Maybe it's taking a walk. Maybe it's Mm. calling a friend. Those are all, to me, those all fell under the rubric of self-care. And I think doing the podcast has really helped me understand that. Hmm. I think too, I I think of self-care on a larger cultural scale in which self-care is not not something we have ever really been granted or allowed to treat as important. We haven't ever really been, I think, permitted culturally to explore these ideas. I think of it now on on that scale um, as well, as well as a serum scale. You know, you gotta yeah. love a serum. It feels good to put something on your face. But like Dory said, I think there's a lot, a lot more to it than just that. Yeah. So like a little bit of consumerism, but mostly plugging the gaps of capitalism, really. Yeah, it's tricky because there is a (laughs) a pleasure to be found in engaging in consumerism. And, you know, that is something that we've kind of run up against as we've explored this topic. Yeah, no. so I I feel like that's how I I tend to get a lot of my sort of personal self-care going is in making purchases. So a big part of Forever 35, as I understand, is that it is sort of talking about certain products and certain experiences that that require sort of, you know, purchasing and, and things like that. How do you sort of balance that out, routing it through a certain sense of consumerism and something that's beyond it? I think we try to be really conscious of accessibility Hmm. in terms of cost Hmm. and that the cost is not something that gets in the way. I think with Amazon, it's tricky, right? Because on the one hand, Amazon does allow for many people to buy things that they might not be able to buy locally. 
But on the other hand, you are feeding, a, you know, you're feeding a, a, a beast, <laughs> for lack of a better word. And, yeah. um, you know, we've both consciously really tried to reconsider where we purchase things from. And neither of us are perfect in any means. And it also, you know, also part of it, for example, I love being able to purchase a, um, you know, a small batch skincare product that is cruelty free and vegan and sustainably made. And I know who's making it and I'm supporting a small woman owned company, but there's a cost involved in that and an inherent privilege involved in being able to make that kind of purchase. But I think these are all considerations that we think about and we grapple with, and we are certainly not perfect with any of it. And it's an ongoing kind of learning process and being more thoughtful consumers. Hmm. I would also say that our listeners are actually really great about checking us and letting us know when they feel like, you know, our privilege is showing and we aren't thinking about people who might not be able to afford the small batch, women-owned, et cetera, et cetera, products. Hmm. And this also comes into play with clothing, thinking about size inclusivity and balancing that with sustainably and ethically made clothing. That's not just not always possible. Hmm. So... These are all things that our listeners have really opened our eyes to. And I think, I am I mean, I, I know, I don't want to speak for you, Kate, but I think we are both grateful to them for that. Oh, my gosh. It's, I feel like we've <laughs> learned so much from the people we are lucky to have listening to this podcast. It's been, yeah. it's been amazing. And they've helped shift the, our practices. Like, you know, we would, we did a lot of linking to Amazon for things at the beginning, especially books. And now we use bookshop and, and just different choices like that, that I feel like our listeners have been really helpful in guiding us. Kate and Dory's relationship with their listeners was practically a back and forth from their first episodes. They started a Facebook group just a couple of weeks after launching the show. That allowed listeners to interact with topics from the show, but also with the hosts themselves and with fellow listeners. Now the group has more than 20,000 members and around 100 subgroups. It's so big that Kate and Dory had to hire two people to manage it. Another aspect of self-care is boundaries and setting boundaries. And Mm. we've been pretty vocal about that on the podcast. And so that is a boundary that we both set that we are not going to be super active in the Facebook groups. We do pop in every once in a while. If someone tags me in a post, I will usually respond. But I almost never start posts unless it's a kind of announcement that I need to make. And Mm. I think actually like our listeners kind of like that we have set up this mechanism for them to talk amongst themselves and we're kind of we're there if they need us, but we're not we're not micromanaging the Facebook group or any of the you know the communities. Okay, so to what extent do the listeners shape what you talk about on the show? They've certainly raised topics that I don't think I ever envisioned us even talking about, which has been amazing. And and it's always really fascinating what will spark a conversation. You know, I think that's what makes this experience of creating this podcast very um, two-sided. It's not just Dory and I driving all the conversations. It really, you know, it, it's actively involving ourselves with what our listeners want to talk about. And hmm. that has been really fun and really satisfying. And that's what personally kind of continues to blow my mind about the podcasting experience is the relationship with the people who listen to your show. Hmm. So... 
you alluded to this a little bit earlier, uh, that the show kind of took off in a way that you didn't quite expect. Uh, at what point did you realize that you had something like special here? I think it was when for, we, we almost immediately started hearing from people over email, hmm. like with questions or comments or wanting to contribute or add to a conversation in some way. And that was really, like, really amazing. Just like people writing in. At about three months into doing the podcast, we were we decided to add doing this mini episode once a week where we you know we replied to these emails in a podcast because we were getting so many and they were interesting. And then also there was people seeking advice, which was kind of mind blowing. Hmm. Um, and so that was I mean obviously you know we're able to see our numbers go up and we're able to see when we are written up on a really cool website or you know featured in some sort of podcasting list. But I think that was when the kind of like the relationship establishing between the people listening and ourselves was really kind of what sealed it for me personally. Mm. And now about two years into it, you decided to like launch a spin-off show, thereby sort of like expanding the Forever 35 platformer brand. Do, do you sort of see Forever 35 as like a quote-unquote like brand or something like that? Well, here's some news that we can break on the show nick we just um, <laughs> we just we just re-upped our deal with Acast for two hmm. more years and as part of the deal they are going to help us produce some more shows so we are actively starting to look into producing more shows I think we're both just really excited to take what we've learned from doing forever 35 including creating these intensely engaged communities and doing that for other shows that we believe in i agree great <laughs> yeah. Whew, thank god in agreement <laughs> so what's what's the uh, what's the vision with this with this new slate of shows like um what, what do you want this to be you know i think that we we still feel that despite the success of our show that the audience for shows targeted to women in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond that are not true crime, there's still a big audience for those shows. I mean, hmm. you look at, we are not going to start producing, you know, the next serial. That's just not our lane. So no, no true crime for either of you. <laughs> no true crime. As much as I enjoy listening to true crime, it's just, it's not the type of show that we want to produce, nor do we feel kind of equipped to produce it. We feel like we've done really well with these conversational shows that really kind of welcome the listener in. We get a lot of feedback that people say we, we sound like they're best friends. We sound like they're big sisters. And that's the kind of like cozy vibe that we want to create. And so the shows that and we can't really talk about what we are potentially developing yet because everything's in the very early stages. But the types of shows that we are discussing are conversational shows hosted by women-identified people hmm. on topics that we feel are sort of within the Forever 35 universe. Hmm. You know, we're probably not going to launch the female Ben Shapiro. Oh, God, <laughs> probably. <laughs> so, can self-care topple the patriarchy? More in a minute.
Imagine if you could charge your electric vehicle at the places you already love to eat, shop, and play. Whether you're at the movies, on your weekly grocery trip, or running errands at your local mall, Volta EV charging stations are built around your day-to-day and located in your community and nationwide. All you have to do is check in, plug in, and go about your day. It's EV charging made convenient. Download the Volta app to find your new favorite place to charge. Hi, I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, and we are back for another round. This is clearly an NPR audience. (laughs) I think they're so smart. What the hell? My guests this time are actor Vela Lavelle and author Amanda Montel, whose new book, The Age of Magical Overthinking, is out now. Join us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum for book talk, trivia, and hot takes. Tickets can be found at laist.com slash events. What's fascinating is we we have listeners that are like in their early teens. And we were like, what are you? You're here? And they were like, we're here. <laughs> so, you know, the intention is definitely creating content with an older bent because that's where we are in life. But I think it appeals to a broader range of mm. people than just the kind of target demographic that one sets out with. Forever 35's core audience is women in their 30s, 40s, 50s and beyond. But Kate and Dory are here for their younger listeners, too. But it's kind of like the the same way that fashion magazines tend to be targeted to women in their 20s and maybe 30s. Women of all ages read them. It's just that the focus is on younger women and youth is kind of venerated. We're saying, like, come along for the ride. Like, if you are 13... (laughs) great. We welcome you. But like, these are the things that we're going to be talking about. These are the topics that we're going to be talking about. And this is our perspective and kind of take it or leave it. So why do you think there is a lack of media and podcast creations specifically for women like over the age of 40? I think if you look at who's in charge of green lighting shows, you'll get your answer. Hmm. Well, they like, seem to be like older men, right? Like that think of older white men, white men, older white, white men, men, yeah, who yeah, place yeah. bets on younger people. It's just they're, they're, even that itself is an arrangement that doesn't quite make sense to me. Totally, totally. So you know, I think that was one of the things that we liked about signing with Acast is they had women in positions of power to greenlight shows, to you know, set budgets, to to make decisions. And a lot of the other networks that we spoke to did not have women in those positions. Hmm. This might be like a more of a sort of a broader historical note, but like I'm curious as to how self-care became so. um, I'm not so sure if this word is used pejoratively, but just kind of it's a sense in the sort of discourse around it that it became sort of feminized, um, that it's, it's very sort of located in this the feminine gender. And I'm curious as to sort of your perspective on why that is. Because it seems like a notion that should be applied universally in some respects. I mean, because women are trying to survive in the patriarchy. And so we've hmm. got to come up with a bunch of tools to, to make, <laughs> to, <laughs> to somehow get through. I mean, uh, uh, honestly, you know, I mean, we're household labor falls on women. Emotional labor falls on women. You know, the pay gap hmm. is real and the disparity is more real for black women than it is for white women. And, you know, so like, it's like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a um, anthropologist or a sociologist or anything. I'm literally just a writer and a podcaster. But you know, and I, I think ultimately it's unfair. It's like we don't, we don't have systems in place that actually take care of these groups of people. 
And so in many ways, people have had to figure out things for themselves in order to exist in our systems of society. That might be a very dark way of looking at it. I also think that men do practice self-care. They just don't call it that. Yes, Dory. Yes, totally. Like, they get together to watch football. They <laughs> play golf. They, you know, there are things that are coded male hmm. that to me fall under the rubric of self-care. But because, and this is sort of a chicken and egg issue, but because self-care has been quote unquote feminized, they are reluctant to call it that. Hmm. What is a better way to sort of articulate this moving forward then? I think self-care is a good way to articulate it. I think hmm. men need to get over this personally. <laughs> <laughs> like this, this, that question kind of reminds me of all the discussion around lean in, right? Hmm. Like the whole premise of lean in is that women should be leaning in so we can better be accommodated by the patriarchy, I guess. But like, why aren't we just changing the whole system? And hmm. I think that's fundamentally the question that we are trying to answer is like, let's change this whole system. Like we don't need another term for self-care. We yeah. need men to not be afraid of being quote unquote girly. Yeah, I, I guess it's it's also kind of tough to justify a, a stereotypical definition of self-care um, when the world feels like it's falling apart. I think certainly there are times where, you know, things are really um, challenging in the world. And then you're like, how are we going to do a podcast where we're talking about, you know, like face wash? Like <laughs> certain topics can feel trivial, but at the end of the day, you know, I really think we think of self-care as this really large umbrella term and so much of it is mental health care. And hmm. that is so crucial right now, especially. So I think ultimately in many ways it's gotten more relevant and and more important and more necessary. Um, just, just different, you know? Hmm. I think it is something that you are actively doing to bring peace to yourself and comfort to yourself. Hmm. Nick, I don't know what is going to bring peace and comfort to you. It's probably not what brings peace and comfort to me, but we can both kind of be mindful of that definition as we go about our lives. Okay, so what's bringing you peace right now? One that I'm really into right now is the nap ministry. Dory, I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> well, oh my God, I love it. Okay. So well. <laughs> I'm afraid I have no idea what that is. Um, <laughs> Could you explain, please? So, well, their their bio is, we examine the liberating power of naps. We believe rest is a form of resistance and reparations. Hmm. And they have really reframed my thinking around rest and quote-unquote productivity, why we do the things we do, and what our priorities are. And normalizing rest, normalizing naps. And I just, I, I've just really kind of learned a lot from this account. And I feel like it's influenced what I talk about on the show and how I kind of think about my own priorities. Self-care practices as a priority are a hot topic these days, even for people you wouldn't expect. I mean, we had Madeline Albright on yeah, this Yeah, I was going to bring up that that was probably the most... <laughs> like, 
Yeah. That that was iconic. (laughs) That was surreal. (laughs) That was surreal. She was so amazing. So at a cocktail party, she looked at me and said, you're um, really brave not to have had a facelift. Uh, and, um, and I thought, Hmm, I actually didn't know what to say right off uh, the bat. Um, and it was only later that I thought of kind of uh, rhetorical ways of answering it because I was so taken aback that somebody would say that. I do think that, uh, we do put an awful lot of emphasis on how people look and looking young when, um, you're way past that. It was like it was also just crazy. Like we we it was during the pandemic, so I was in my closet. Like I'm sitting in my closet <laughs> talking to Madeline Albright. And I started, you know, it was you get very emotional because you you're talking to. I mean, she's just an icon, like a prolific icon, and um, she was so cool too. Like she was so open and um, generous with her her time and her the conversation that she had. So, uh, who's on your dream guest list? I remember reading somewhere that AOC is on the list. Oh, yeah. We've like literally begged on podcast episodes for someone to connect us to AOC. I mean, she's like always (laughs) posting about her skincare routine, her lipstick. Like, we're like, oh, come on. And she talks about self-care in a really brilliant way. Like, and she's so fun. She's a fun. And she's advocating for policies that would support self-care. Yeah, exactly. She's the dream. I mean, so I actually, there are so many politicians. Ayanna Presley, I would love to talk to. I mean, obviously, Michelle Obama, you know, like Kamala Harris. Listen, I mean, it would be fun. Um, (laughs) Who else is a dream? Tracy Ellis Ross, we would love to interview. Mm. Oh, you know who we talked about, Dory? Like, jokingly, but also kind of serious, Jennifer Aniston. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, kind of an icon of our We would love to interview Jennifer Aniston. So what what would be an, an ideal guest, you know, that's not alive right now? Like, historically, if you could interview somebody who was, you know, long past, who would that person be? Oh, interesting. Oh my gosh. Can I be really dark? Yeah. Please. Okay. okay. I mean, for me, I would love to interview my mom because my mom mm. died 13 years ago. And I, this was never something like I, I want to pick her brain about all the weird routines that I saw her do and, and how she felt about all these things. And all I have are kind of like bits and pieces of stuff that I've like thrown together. Like I've talked about, her face cream that she was using and, and mm. things like that. But like, I would love now that I am older to get to really sit down with my mom and learn about her self-care practices. Cause I, I truly don't have much of a context for them. She died when I was 27. So I know she's not famous, but like she did. No, no, use... That'd be such a fascinating continuation of your, of your memoir. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But I, I just like that stuff that I actually really would love to get her thoughts on. And maybe she would generationally, she would have a very different take on things. I don't know. I'd love to have like Dorothy Parker on. Ugh. She'd be so funny. <laughs> I mean, all these people in the past, like there are so many interesting women who, who I think practice self care, but also really like carve their own paths in the Princess world. Princess Diana. And, oh, come on. <laughs> Princess Di. Uh, you know what, Dory, mo- uh, you know, no disrespect to my mom, but Princess Di <laughs> over my mom, <laughs> then my mom. <laughs> I feel like this is a, like a spinoff situation happening. <laughs> I could do this for days. I love dreaming of guests. Characters. Uh. <laughs> Kate, Dory, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. This was really fun. Thank you so much.
Servant of Pod is written and hosted by me, Nick Kwa. You can check out more episodes at alias.com slash servantofpod. The show is produced by Andrea Zwahe, Jessica Alpert, and John Perotti at Rococo Punch. Web design by Andy Cheatwood and the digital and marketing teams at Southern California Public Radio. Logo and branding by Leo G. Thanks to the team at Alias Studios, including Christian Hayford, Taylor Kaufman, Kristen Muller, and Leo G. Servant of Pod is a production of Alias Studios. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps.